welcome back to the GT Counter Podcast. My name is Tyler. Here with me, as always, my co-host, the Gray Man, Grayson Winters. What's going on, dude? Oh, you know, Ed, it was a eventful day. I had a nice little uh, Christmas shindig today. Um, essentially, we went over and played a little bit of pickleball, and some people were comparing me to Raphael Nadal. I don't know. I, I don't like to take the credentials, but, you know, just what I was getting compared to. So it was, it was a hell of a day. Some some people call you the Pillsbury Dough Rafa Nadal. So, I mean, it, it all just kind of fits right in. I mean, everybody, it's like, oh, man, there's the the Pillsbury Doughboy of, of pickleball. I'm, uh, I, as some people would say, I am, you know, the best of the best. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence. It, uh, sometimes it's like that, man. It's just like that. Well, Dak, here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence. Reed Roloffs is also here on that note. Reed Roloffs, uh, how are you doing, my guy? Fantastic. Good to hear, Grayson. You're still getting active out there, playing some pickleball. Um, you know, heard you heard you've lost a couple LBs, so maybe a little bit more agile on the court. We'll have to all get out together and square up sometime. But uh, on another note, glad to be here, uh, ready to talk some sports. That's for sure. Well, I mean, sports and who knows what else we've we've got to cover on the agenda here. So excited to get into it. Speaking of, let's go ahead and start with the weekend precap. One thing that's got you hyped for this weekend. And I'm going to start because the thing that's got me hyped here, it's one that's a little bit off the board, but that's okay because Thursday, we'll qualify that as the weekend, right? El Asico is taking to the hardwood. Iowa and Iowa State, you know it, you love it. The greatest rivalry to ever exist. It's taking its turn in basketball, and I can't wait. I guarantee it will be more higher scoring than the football game. I guarantee you that, you know, they could probably, if you switch the teams, uh, the basketball teams would probably score more points in the football game than the actual football teams did too. So uh, looking forward to that one. Iowa plays no defense. Iowa State plays no offense, so kind of a roles reverse there. But uh, it'll be good to see the boys duke it out once again in the most assiest rivalry of all time. So uh, excited for that one Thursday night. You can catch that one, I believe, on ESPN. So uh, make sure you tune in. Anytime El Asico is on, it's appointment TV. So, uh, Gray, I'll kick this thing over to you. What's got you hyped? It's got me hyped for the weekend. has to be a little bit of NFL, believe it or not. Uh, Sunday night football this week is going to be freaking amazing. Cowboys versus Eagles, inter-division rivalry in Dallas. I mean, what more could you want from a football game? You know, right now during this season, it seems like there's only five or six good teams, and they hardly ever get to play each other. So when they actually do get to play each other, it adds up to some entertaining football. So. I'm excited to watch this game. It's going to be freaking electric. Absolutely. Um, anytime the Eagles and the Cowboys play, it's always guaranteed to be good. Uh, can we get some odds on Big Dom trying to fight anybody on the field again? That, that'd be fun to see. Um, or how often we see the uh, the little baby KK and Greg Olson commercial where Greg Olson becomes Terry Bradshaw for a minute, which is kind of funny. But uh, You can't argue with Jack and little baby KK. Anyhow, that's not here nor there. Reed, what's got you hyped for this weekend? You know, not a ton of, you know, first week without really a bunch of college football. You know, we do have Army-Navy, so 
going to be looking forward to auto betting the under there, even though the number is at an all-time low. Um, might walk back that statement. But I also got to touch on this. You know, in Iowa football, we always talk about how that's – you bet the under, no matter what it is, it's going to go under. Iowa basketball is essentially the exact opposite. They don't play any defense, and they have five white guys that spread the floor and jacket from who knows where. Um, so in that case, I think I have to – take the over in that game It's just a blind over. Um, even though Iowa state, like you mentioned, struggles immensely in the offense and they are very good defensively, but I'm still going with the over there. So looking forward to that and, you know, getting back into some NBA. Absolutely. Uh, basketball. Now that, uh, college is into the bowls, the NFL is kind of grinding its way down the stretch. Uh, almost time for basketball to take center stage and, uh, you know we can't wait to hit on those. Uh, but before we get there, we've got a hit on Army and Navy. Army and Navy this year are playing in Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. That's where the Patriots play. Uh, Saturday at 2 o'clock on CBS. Uh, Army favored by a field goal here or 2.5 depending on where you look. Over under 28, 28.5, 27.5, somewhere around there. As you said, Reed, this is typically an auto under. However, the the lines have finally adjusted. And taking this from our good friend Stucky, um, if you look at the last 30 Army-Navy games, 24 of them have gone over 27 and a half, and another three on them have ended right at 27. So the market finally maybe adjusted a little bit too far on this one blame Iowa for the market just completely shifting on, on totals this year. But, you know, looking at this game, I think army has the better side here. I'll lean army minus the three. And I will also, I can't believe these words are about to come out of my mouth. I'm going to lean to the over in the army Navy game. I can't believe you're going to go out that way. I thought, so, you know, I've thought long and hard about this all day today. And, you know, at first I was with you, but, for the spirit of the game, I just don't think I can get there. You know, Navy's offense has been so bad. Uh, I think it's going to be a grind fest once again. And you can even get a, you know, under 28 and a half on FanDuel if you're feeling frisky for a minus 120. So don't hate that. Um, our four touchdowns are going to be scored in this game. I doubt it. But even if it does, you still have a little bit of, of, of wiggle room there. So. I still think I have to ride the under. I I just I just don't know who's going to score. Yeah, and I uh I kind of agree with you on this one. I think that this probably does hit the over. I think that uh these two are I know for a fact Navy isn't going to be coming out there kicking any field goals. So they're going to be going for just about every single time on fourth down. I remember at the beginning of the year watching Navy play Notre Dame, it said their kicker had attempted two career field goals. He was a fifth-year senior, so Imagine they're going to be going for everything they possibly can in just about every situation. So I think this 27.5 number could easily hit the over. So I also like the uh, like Navy to uh, to win this game, and I would take the money line. Interesting side there. Navy, I will say, they do have a really good red zone defense, number three in all of the country. Um, Army's defense is kind of middling. They're 116th in rushing yards allowed, though, so – if Navy gets the triple option going, then, you know, potentially there's a thing there. Um, I just like, you know, Jeff Munkin. He's been here around the block before, not his first Army-Navy game. Meanwhile, the Navy coach 
replacing Coach Ken, Coach Kenny Niamatalolo. Shout out to my Hawaiian there. Um, it's his first game this year. So going to be interested to see how he reacts to being in the big time atmosphere, all the uh, pomp and circumstance, if you will. So I will lean army just because I, I like their program better. But uh, of course, I'll do restrict respect to the uh, water troops, uh, absolute legends. But uh, the the real thing about this game, is, have y'all seen the uh, the specialty uniforms that have come out for this one? No, I have not. You got to go look those up. They always come out with some heat in the uh, Army Navy games. Uh, we can debrief on it after the uh, after the game to see who we thought had the best unis, but uh, they're always special. So uh, if if you if you don't like tuning in for truly sicko football, at least tune in for the uniforms because uh, it, it is the goods. But uh, all right, Grayson, it's time to get to an early odds and or uh, triple G here. Terribly sorry, not odds and ends quite yet, but. Uh, what you got for us here today? You know, I'm going to, uh, we're just probably going to start off with a little bit of the NFL schedule for this week, do a run through there, move into a little bit of standings talk, see what, uh, who we think our favorites are in the rankings right now, and then probably close out with a, uh, little bit of news on, uh, on Hayden Hurst. So all this and, uh, more after the break. This episode of the GT Counter Podcast is presented by Zencaster, the all-in-one solution making podcasting easy. Zencaster provides high-quality audio and video recording, production, and hosting right for everyone's individual podcasting needs. Being a creator has never been easier. Just look at us. We started using Zencaster because we are a couple of dudes who like to talk about sports, entertainment, and the goings-on of life. With the help of Zencaster, we've been able to get our thoughts produced and transmitted at the highest quality to you, the listeners. It's super easy to get started. All you need is the internet, and you too can create high-quality podcasts in no time. The best part is that this is all-in-one if you choose. You can record, produce, and transmit your podcast to all major podcast platforms all in one stop using Zencaster's easily accessible dashboard from your computer, tablet, or smartphone. All you need to do is go to Zencaster.com pricing and use our code GT for a generous 30% off your first month of any paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story with Zencaster. All right, so coming back, almost time for Triple G, but before we do, just wanted to give you all a reminder to join our Capital One Bowl Mania entry. Uh, link will be in the description. Winner there, crispy $20 bill from uh, certainly not one of us. Um, Maybe whoever finishes lowest out of the uh, the two hosts here, uh, maybe that's who gives out the twenty. What do you think, G? Yeah, that's that's fine with me. I'm uh, I'm perfectly fine with having to proceed a twenty dollar bill over. It's all right. Yeah, we can make that happen. So uh, go yeah. get your entries in. It's uh, it's free to enter. The password, everything will be down there in the bio. So without further ado, it's time for Triple G, Grayson. Go right ahead. Thursday night, we kind of have an absolute banger for the NFL. And by banger, I mean it's on Amazon Prime and nobody watches it anyways. So it's just perfect, perfect slot for this one. Uh, the Patriots are playing the Steelers. The Patriots have fully seemed like they've decided that they're going to run with Bailey Zappi and kind of put Mac Jones on the bench for a while. And despite the Patriots scoring zero points last week, the Patriots looked better offensively with Bailey Zappi than they did with Mac Jones. It's 
I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to believe. Um, the Steelers are going to be running with Mitch Trubisky this week as Kenny Pickett is still hurt and probably not expected to be back until the finale when they play the Baltimore Ravens at the end of the year. Which I mean, in total, this is this is kind of just shot the uh, the Steelers in the foot. I mean, do we do we think there's any chance that the Steelers can sneak into a playoff spot without? I mean, I know this defense is good, but do you think there's any way they can sneak in, like get into the playoff spot? They're seven and five right now, but their schedule is pretty tough throughout. I mean, well, you got to think that Browning is not going to be on a complete heater forever with uh, the Bengals, so. You got to think that potentially there's a chance. You got to worry about the Bills, of course, coming up from 10th. But, you know, I don't see any reason why they can't make the playoffs. If if the offense can at least be competent, like, they should. I think it'd be disappointing if they didn't. The thing that the problem is right now, and probably moving into the next game we're going to talk about, uh, Jaguars are playing the Browns this week, and the Jags are in a little bit of a pickle. Trevor Lawrence, high ankle sprain. They said he's doing extra PT work, overnight PT on it. Um, if anybody knows anything about a high ankle sprain, this guy's out for three weeks. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's going to be out for three weeks, meaning he's going to miss the Browns this week, and next week he's going to miss the Ravens. And it's just not a good combo for a team that's 8-4 and four in a really tight division right now with the C.J. Stroud and the Texans just absolutely breathing down their necks. I think that this AFC side of this of the of like you know wild card spots can get really really tight, really really fast, which is why I'm worried about the Steelers team being seven and five, with Mitch Trubisky at the helm. I mean, this could be, turn into a team that falls out of the playoffs in a very fast manner. Yeah, Trubisky's kind of an anchor to uh, to everything. Not very good. Uh, certainly got to be concerning for for them. And the steel and the Steelers got to play. The Colts, or they have this week, they have the Patriots, who hopefully the defense does enough to win you the game here. I'm sure the defense will at least get a touchdown, probably. Um, then they turn around, they play the Colts, who are 7-5. They play the Bengals. They play the Seahawks, who have been kind of depleting lately. They played decent against Dallas last week, but Gino just hasn't been it. And then they finish the last game of the year with the Ravens, who hopefully Kenny Pickett's is back for the finale, so. It'll be interesting to uh, to see if they end up getting in. But moving on from there, uh, going to talk about the Texans and the Jets. Robert Sala has come out and said that by the grace of God, Zach Wilson is black and he's ready to play. Um, in my perspective, this is not by the grace of God. This is like, why are we allowing this guy to still be a quarterback in any league other than the XFL? Um, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. This Jets team is miserable. This is probably the worst team that's ever started in a season of hard knocks. It just doesn't make any sense. I know that everybody was hyped because Aaron Rodgers was going to be on the Jets. and They were supposed to be this big, bad team, and they're just, they're just miserable, just terrible offensively right now. I don't know why anybody would watch this team at the moment. They're not good. They can't play offense whatsoever. The defense is really good, too, which is a shame because, I mean, they just can't figure out the quarterback position, and uh, you kind of need one of those in order to be successful in the league. Uh, Moving into our next game, and a team who's been on an absolute heater as of late, getting Matthew Stafford back, we're going to see the Ravens play the Rams in Baltimore. 
And the Rams are, like I said, you know, they were a team we were worried about at the beginning of the year. They were a team that we didn't think had a defense good enough to play. And it seems like they're starting to prove us wrong. They went from three and six to six and six now. And besides the Ravens, I mean, they have, they play after the Ravens, they play Commanders, Saints, Giants, and then 49ers. This is very much so a schedule where if they beat the Ravens this week, they could easily finish four and one and pull out 10 wins in a spot where they should not be pulling out 10 wins. Hey, I tried to warn everybody about them preseason. As long as they stayed healthy, they'd be good. And uh, Reed, I don't regret whatsoever trading Stafford for Hal. Yeah, that's been a, that whole trade was, uh, you know, it kind of worked out both ways, but you know, I think you're getting the, the, started well for me. You're, You're getting the tail end of it here. Moving in to another game, we have the Lions playing the Bears. And this game could amount to be something that's really, really interesting. The Lions have been playing awful. It's like Jared Goff decided that he wasn't going to play football in the second half of this season. And he's just not playing well right now. And the Lions kind of seem like they're falling apart. I mean, Ed, do we do we see that there's – is there a way that this Lions team chokes this division away to – of Vikings or Green Bay? Probably not. I think they're too far ahead. But, I mean, I think it's fair to be concerned about them moving forward in terms of, like, competing in the playoffs or whatever. But, um, you know, it's it's the defense for me. Defense and special teams, they're just not very good. So if the offense doesn't put up 28 to, you know, 35 points, they're probably not going to win a whole lot of games. I completely agree. I think that this Vikings team has a chance of being able to pull something out. I mean, they play the Raiders. They play the Bengals without Joe Burrow, so basically worthless. Um, and then they play. The, they get the Lions twice. They beat the Lions both times. What do you got, Reed? Uh, you know, if you would have told me that two weeks ago, I would have said maybe. But seeing Josh Dobbs literally poop his pants on Monday Night Football last week has, uh, you know, kind of killed those hopes for me. He's just been... A tr- not very good the last couple weeks and they're riding with him you know he had an extra bye week so you know, hopefully something will come out of that but uh not super optimistic i will say though as much as i don't think you know either green bay or minnesota can catch detroit good chance that's who they would play uh in the playoffs so uh you know looks like just seating wise it's gonna slot out that one of those teams are probably going to, if they get in, are going to play Detroit. Um, and I don't think that would be a crazy win uh, or upset just because I'm I'm not sure, I guess, how Detroit is going to fare in the playoffs. Well, I'm interested to see, like, what version of Josh Dobbs are we going to get? The guy who has kind of revived his career through Arizona or the guy who, as you said, Reed, uh, pooped his pants down the stretch in, uh, last week. So... Depends on what we get. If it's somewhere in the middle, I think the Vikings will be okay. But if it's more towards the poop side, probably a problem. Yeah, and that's just the weirdest thing because he was just not making those mistakes early. And, you know, the last couple of weeks, just he even had some balls last week that should have been intercepted that weren't. So it's just not sure what happened. You know, Kevin O'Connell's got to do a better job coaching as well, putting him in situations to succeed. Obviously, he's never been a franchise guy. And, uh, they've, you know, he's shown glimpses of that in, in stints earlier this year. So uh, just finding ways to make him more comfortable. And I can probably tell you it's not going to be dropping him back 40 times in the pocket and just letting him sit there. So 
got to utilize his legs. I think the 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 happy spot for that is probably like closer to like twenty to twenty five dropbacks. If you can keep him in that anything under thirty, I think you're probably in pretty good shape. You got to have some sort of balance there because otherwise, like we saw, he probably got concussed four different times in the game against Denver. Like my guy was taking some absolute shots, so they got to keep him out of some of those hits if they can. Yeah, I just think they need to get him a little bit out of the pocket a little bit more. Let him use his legs, not just drop out because he's not a, you know, he's not the passer that Kirk was, and you know, it looked like they were kind of tailoring the same offense. Um, and just it's got to change. And, and Kevin said that they would address it, and, and we'll see what happens. I guess moving forward. I mean, you just can't roll him out every time. I it's well known where I stand on rollouts. I can't stand them because it makes it easier to defend when you neutralize half the field, but. In certain spots, yeah, they got to get him outside. At least, you know, the threat of getting outside the pocket, whether it's scripted or unscripted scrambles, like there's got to be some extra element there. I know. I actually, I actually agree with you. We've never ever talked about this. I hate sprint outs because, again, if it's not there, it's you're you're done for. I just want to see him get out of the pocket himself, use his legs more, uh, be more creative in that aspect, and um, that's where he's at his best. So. Hopefully we'll see more of that moving forward. I know Kevin said he'll try to put him in some better situations, and you know, obviously this offense can't run the ball, but seeing him use his legs would be a welcoming sign for sure. Yeah, talking about the, uh, I know you guys just went big into the Vikings, so I might as well move into their Sunday afternoon game. The Vikings play the five and seven Raiders at the Death Star. Uh, Raiders right now. I've been playing well with backup quarterback Aiden O'Connell. The issue is that Josh Jacobs is doubtful to play in the game on Sunday with a quad injury. That would be very helpful for this Vikings team to not have to play against one of the top backs in the league. And it frankly worries me because we can't pass the ball to save our lives. Even with Devontae Adams, we still just can't figure stuff out. So a little bit worrisome, um, definitely. So. Well, you, you got to think the home field advantage at the uh, at the big Roomba should should help out. Yeah, you'd think, right? But who knows? Just gives them more time to go drink before, I guess. A little party on downtown. I think it should be. I think that the opposing team has to stay at the MGM. I think it's only a it's only a given that they should stay there. No, um, you want that home field advantage. You send them to the Flamingo. <laughs> or Reed, you have some experience at the Hojo, right? The Johnson. We love the Howard Johnson uh, right off the strip, man. Really accessible. Uh, fear, fear of life is definitely high on that on that scale. But you know, if you can find a way to get in the room safely, uh, lock it three times, and you'll have a good time. Uh, moving into our next game of the week, uh, Seahawks are playing the 49ers. and the Seahawks team looked really, really good last week against the Cowboys. I was rather surprised. Just sucks for the Seahawks that they have to play the 49ers when they are probably the hottest team in football right now. Um, getting Debo and Trent Williams back for this 49ers team has made that much of the difference. I think it has a lot more to do with getting Trent Williams back than it does have to do with getting Debo back. But that's just personal preference. I think that Trent Williams makes this team offensively. I know that you have all these weapons with CMC and People think Brock Purdy's a good quarterback for some odd reason because he has a million guys to throw the ball to. And I think you could throw a freaking salami sandwich back there and they'd probably get the job done. Um, 
just being blatantly honest with you, I think if you put Zach Wilson on the 49ers, this team looks the exact same. I mean, he was mystery irrelevant for a reason. He's not the MVP. Get it out of your minds. It's not real. It's fake. It's made up. CMC, if he gets if he gets MVP, CMC really should have gotten the award. He should give the award to CMC. I mean, blame me. He should be a true gentleman and not accept the award. It's not his. We we all know this. Yes. Bingo. Bingo. Uh, moving into another game of the week, we got the Bills playing the Chiefs. And I think this might be a really interesting game. I think the Chiefs have been playing really, really poorly. I think the Bills came off a couple big wins. At, or I'm lying. They lost to the Eagles last week. They still played decent, though. Or no, they lost. The, they beat the Jets last week. I'm tripping. Um, point being made, they're coming off of a tough uh, loss to the Eagles in two weeks ago in OT, and I think that this Bills team is showing a lot of promise as of late, and this Chiefs team seems like they're just going downhill really, really fast. Um, do we, are we worried about Patrick Mahomes right now? I mean, he's just not playing good football. My uh, my concern level on the Chiefs, you put it at 1 to 10, 10 being like very concerned and 1 being not. I'll give it like a 7. I'm I'm starting to get there. The lack of explosiveness, just not enough weapons offensively. Mahomes still is able to put on the Superman cape, but, you know, 19 points against Green Bay. I get it. It was cold. It was in Lambeau, but you, you just need more. So I'm starting to get there. I'm a little bit concerned about the Chiefs. I think that, you know, this is kind of a trend that we've started to see is, you know, you see these teams that obviously have elite quarterbacks and, like we've seen it in Green Bay, instead of trying to surround them with weapons, you almost see them say, okay, we trust that they're going to make, you know, enough plays to keep the offense afloat. We think they're that good that we're going to use that money elsewhere around the team and, uh, again, try and build up a defense and yada, yada. could go on and on about what they try to fill it up with. But, again, not a ton of weapons on, you know, the Chiefs this year. And, and we've seen it with the Packers in the past. You know, we saw it kind of at the end of the Pete Cara era, or excuse me, Russell Wilson era, um, where they just, you know, couldn't address the offensive line because they didn't have any money to do it and because it was used elsewhere. So this is just an approach that they've used that they think that, you know, it might not be smooth offensively, but we have Patrick Mahomes, and when it comes to the playoffs, we trust that he's going to make enough plays to get it done. So um, I wouldn't be as concerned, you know, but still it's just not – been accustomed to what we've been seeing with this, this chief offense so i can see why there is some concern out there yeah they just have such a big lack of explosion right now travis kelsey can only do so much and it's like they got all these fast receivers on their team and Kadarius tony and um marquez valdez scantley and they just can't catch the ball i don't know what the deal is they just can't get the concept together of putting two hands to the football i mean Reed could go out there and play significantly better than some of these guys because um, at least he's going up there. and catching the ball. Um, plain and simple. I'm just I'm just being honest. So moving into the next game of the week and the final game we'll be talking about. I said I was excited for it already. Eagles versus Cowboys, a rematch. Eagles barely beat the Cowboys last time they played 
in Philadelphia. This game's in Jerryland, and it's going to be a banger. The Cowboys are stone cold hot right now, and the Eagles are coming off of an absolute blow up against the 49ers. Ed, what are your what are your thoughts on this game? These teams always split. They always win each home game. They typically always cover each home game too. So this one, Cowboys minus three and a half at even money. You can lay the points, get it to three. Doesn't matter. I, I like the Cowboys here. I think Dak is going to have a big day. I think CD has a big day. Um, so if you were going to look for something, I would take Cowboys to win and CD over 88 and a half uh, receiving yards. Maybe get you a juicy little same game parlay there, but. Otherwise, I think the Cowboys win by a touchdown here, so I'd lay the three and a half. Heck yeah. I love it. I love it. So I'm going to move into talking about a little bit of standings talk real quick and then do a, do maybe uh, talk a little bit about um, the futures for a couple of these teams while we're, while we're going through the list. So right now, Dolphins are 9-3 and three in the division. It doesn't look very much so like anybody's going to catch them probably. I mean, the Bills are 6-6, six and six, but their schedule's pretty tight. I would say that probably the Dolphins have this division locked down. Uh, they're not a clinch yet, but I think they're going to be working their way to that pretty quickly. Uh, Ravens, 9-3. and three. you got the Steelers and the Browns, both just two games behind them. I think this... Division, like I said already, could get really, really tight really, really fast. Um, Steelers without Kenny Pickett could be really difficult to see them, you know, have trouble making a playoff spot. It's going to be very difficult for them to uh, – I mean, I think the defense is good enough to win, but it will be interesting for the rest of the way out. Uh, AFC West is kind of tight. Chiefs are 8-4 right now. Could very easily lose to the Bills this weekend. Broncos are 6-6. Six and six. Who would have – who would have thought it? I mean, Russ is playing. Russ, I mean, he's, I, I don't know. He's not playing good, but he's doing enough to win, I guess. Uh, a little bit a little bit of a carry on the, uh, on the defensive side at times. So, there's that half of it. And then uh, AFC South, Jaguars are 8-4, Colts are 7-5, Texans are 7-5. Texans are hot right now. Jags are going to probably miss Trevor Lawrence for three weeks. Like I said, Jags could easily lose this uh, lose this division clinch. It's basically anybody's game in that south side of the division. Eagles and Cowboys are running the NFC East. Eagles are ten and two. Cowboys are nine and three. They play each other this weekend. This could very much so flip flop. Um, and the Cowboys have the tiebreaker and point differential right now, so they would end up moving to the one spot in the division. NFC West got the 49ers at 9-3, and three, and they're stupid hot right now. I don't think that there's any way that they'd be able to uh, lose this division. Rams are 6-6. Six and six, Seahawks are 6-6. Six and six. And the first team I want to talk about, the 3-10 and 10 Cardinals. Guys, what are, we, what are we doing here? Are we, you know, they loaded up on a lot of draft picks coming into the draft this year. Right now, it looks like they're going to get the number three spot in the draft if the season ended today. Is it? Are we time to sell Kyler 
I mean, new head coach, you give yourself time to, if you get a new quarterback, you give yourself extra time to, you know, before you have a chance of getting fired. Or you stick with Kyler, who's been super up and down. Um, I, I don't know. What do you guys think here? You guys go, if you take this third pick and you get Marvin Harrison Jr., you give Kyler an extra chance to have a good receiver on this team. But if you go and you fit, pick a quarterback here, then are we selling Kyler or are we keeping him on the team? What, what are our thoughts? Well, I just think they need to, whatever they decide to do, they just need to go out and, you know, stop playing middle ground here. You can't just, are we going to build around him or are we not going to build around him? They need to figure out what they're doing and full-fledged go in that direction. If they're going to build around Kyler, then you go get him weapons, whether that's, you know, at number three, you're probably going to, you know, good chance you could take Marvin Harrison Jr. or receiver, maybe an offensive lineman. Um, but, again, they need to decide whether they want a quarterback or whatever they're doing. It's, at this point, you're, you don't want to be caught in, in kind of middle ground here. So, you know, if they are do win a couple more games, it's probably not going to be the best-case scenario for them. Are we more likely to see a, a quarterback change in – Arizona, or more likely to see a quarterback change in Chicago? Chicago, 100%. You you think it's a no-brainer to get rid of Justin Fields and get Caleb Williams with your first-round pick from Carolina? No, 100% full transparency. I'd rather get rid of Kyler over Fields, but you're not going to get Caleb with the number three pick. So when you have the number one pick, you take that guy. So they'll probably end up trading Fields. We'll probably go to somewhere like Atlanta and look really, really good. And then, you know, they'll just have to try their luck with Caleb and whoever they draft with their own pick. So uh, going to be interesting, but 100% full transparency, I would rather have Fields than Kyler. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I've, I've been on the, the Justin Fields train. I just think that the Bears tend to not be a good fit for just about any quarterback, it seems like. I mean, if you go there, you're just – committing social suicide in the NFL. I mean, you're done for. Your career's over if you the longer you stay on this team. I mean, look at Mitch Trubisky. We thought he was going to be a moderately good player, and now he's just absolute butt cheeks. So, you know, you see all this happen. It, it just feels bad for – especially for Justin Fields, a quarterback, where I really think that he could be good. Um, what, what, what are teams that we think – I know you talked about uh, Atlanta being a team that needs a quarterback. What teams do we possibly see, you know, if Kyler was going to get traded, if Justin was going to get traded, where are, we, where are we thinking there? Atlanta is probably option number one. I think Pittsburgh is a sneaky one too. I think this year has kind of raised the alarm bells on Pickett, so I think that's a sneaky one. And, of course, the Jets. They got to do something else. I think Rodgers, while, yes, it's good to have him, he's number one, he's 40. Number two, he just tore his Achilles. And number three, he's not going to play for much longer. Like, you need to get something there. So I think he could be a, the, he could be an option there. And to be completely honest with you, like, maybe Seattle. Maybe uh, maybe the Rams if Stafford, something happens to him. So, I don't know. It could be a number of teams, I think. Do we like, you know, do we like the situation going on with the Giants right now? Are we... Are we are we sold on Tommy DeVito right now? I know Daniel Jones is out. 
if he comes back, are we going to get the same Daniel Jones that's that started the year that was just absolutely awful? It doesn't matter what what Daniel Jones they get. They signed him to the contract that he did. There, he's going to be there. So I think New York is a is a non-starter. I will say New Orleans is another interesting one. Carr's been pretty awful. He's been hurt. And to be completely honest with you, Taysom Hill looked better this past weekend. So uh, that's got to be concerning for the Saints, who still can't figure out the quarterback position and somehow still have Taysom Hill out there doing, you know, wildcat type stuff. It's, it's truly gross. Unbecoming of an NFL team. Hey, don't talk, don't talk mean on Taysom Hill. As long as he gets to continue to rock that tight end spot on my fantasy team, he can play quarterback as much as he wants. I he don't stinks. care. He, I love he the should football. not be an NFL player. He gets me 20 points a week. That's as much as you need. You should be forced to play him in the quarterback spot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't make the system the way it is. I'm they just do this every it. year. He he should not be allowed to do this. It, he can't keep getting away with this. I took a really big sip of water when you said that. I about spit everywhere. Oh, gosh. A little spataki, huh? A little spataki. So, uh... Moving in to our last part of the day for Triple G. You know, we try not to talk about sad news in the podcast, but, you know, it's one of those days. Uh, Tight end for the Panthers, Hayden Hurst, the same guy that threw uh, Bryce Young's first touchdown pass into the stands, has been diagnosed with post-traumatic amnesia by an independent neurologist due to a hit he took in a game earlier this season. And it's unknown when he will be able to play again. Um, For all of you guys that don't know what post-traumatic amnesia is, it's defined as a state of confusion that occurs independently following a traumatic brain injury in which the injured person is disoriented and unable to remember events that occur after the injury. Uh, earlier today, I got told that essentially this is similar to what happens to Drew Barrymore in 51st Dates, but probably not to the severity of that. But still pretty sad. Football's a dangerous sport. That doesn't mean keep your kids out of it unless you read roll-offs. Then you keep your kids out of it because uh, he's so scared of practice. Anyways. You do not want to start this conversation. <laughs> I remember when Reed missed practice one time because his feet hurt from his cleats. Okay, I don't want to hear anything from you. Listen, Grayson, when you go in motion 65 times in a game and you wear cleats that are a half a size too small, your feet will be barking. Um, so, anyways. Who, whose fault was it that you wore cleats half a size too small? They were Ethan Spurlock's. Shout out Spurlock when he quit in the spring. And I wore his cleats for the first time in a game. It was definitely my fault. But I woke up and I literally couldn't walk. It was like when uh, I got done with the Awachita game and I couldn't walk because my back had stiffened up so bad. I was like an old man. I needed a walking cane. I had Scotty Coop and Jeff Brown on each side of me trying to lift me to the bus. (laughs) Scotty! (laughs) All right. uh, That's everything we have for uh, Triple G for the day. After the break, we'll get into odds and ends where we'll talk a little bit NBA, a little bit of college basketball, and I think Ed's got some stuff on magic. So all this and uh, more after the break. All right, coming back, it's time for odds and ends. Let's hit a little bit of basketball here. 
the NBA in-season tournament is down to the final four here, but I don't really want to focus on the actual teams competing to win the title. I want to focus on more of the teams who kind of got left to play their two little consolation games. I want to focus specifically on some of the teams in the West. So you got like Dallas, who in their two games, they drew Utah and Portland, who are two of the worst teams in the league. Minnesota got the Spurs. And who was your other team that you drew? I think it was the Jazz. Yeah, so teams like that. I know Denver actually drew a tough one. They got the Clippers tonight. Um, So there are a few tougher games out there, but I want to ask you this, Reed. Did did it work out for teams who didn't make the tournament knockout rounds better than it did for the teams who actually did? Well, it'll be two games here that, you know, obviously will have potential seeding indications, but, you know, at the same token, I think that at the end of the day, it's not really going to make a huge difference. Um, you know, if you're a, maybe a, a five or six seed, you know, it's not going to change a whole ton. But, you know, for teams that, you know, are, I guess, like us in that spot where we both miss out, we both have, you know, cupcake games, it's, you know, nice to probably get some wins in the win column. But in terms of actually making a huge difference in the end, you know, the, the best teams are going to win the championship. And, you know, I doubt it has any implication there. No, but it could be interesting, like, seeding, especially for the Mavs, who are kind of floating around, you know, fourth through eighth in the West. Like, it could be a difference if you're competing with, you know, the the Lakers coming down the stretch for seeding. And the Lakers had to play an extra game against the Suns, which inevitably they won. But then they have to go play another game in the tournament against an allegedly good team. Whereas the Mavs are playing, like, Portland and Utah, and y'all are playing the Spurs in Utah, and... You know, it just if it ever comes down to a game, it's like, you know, the extra game of somebody playing a good team versus the team who didn't make the tournament playing a bad team. Like it's a little thing like that that can matter, which just seems so kind of like luck of the drawish. But I guess that's just part of the part of it this year with the uh, the whole experimentation side of it. Yeah. And, you know, it might affect, you know, seating. But at the same token, I think like if those teams are serious and, you know, when we get to the playoffs, if it matters that much where, you know, it's going to affect whether you win or lose a series, you're probably not going to win at all. And, you know, you want to be playing your best basketball at the end. So when it comes down to it, if you're, you know, complaining about two games, there are probably a lot more games than regular season that could have gone a different way. So, you know, some token control you can control. And um, I guess we'll see what happens. Well, speaking of this, let's go ahead and jump right into this. The Indiana Pacers have been rolling this year. They're 11 and 8. Tyrese Halliburton absolutely cooking. And they're into the final four of the in-season tournament. They play Milwaukee uh, tomorrow in the uh, semifinals there in Vegas. The total on this one, laughable. It's 254 and a half, which is just hilarious. Um, That's like all-star game numbers. Like, that that total does not feel real. It's funny because it's, you know, it's like how on earth is this? You see that number and it's almost like an auto. You got to go under. But, you know, what we've seen, you know, like the Pacers this year, every single game, they're going over. You know, they're scoring like 35 a quarter each and every game. And, I mean, it's just fun basketball. I've had to go back and watch, you know, the YouTube highlights of this. And there's just been no defense whatsoever. And... You know, just talking about the Pacers because, you know, they're one of the teams that, you know, these 
the totals have been so high. They they can't stop anybody, but they play such a fun brand of basketball where it's like you look in the box score and every single one of their guys are shooting super well. So it's I'm not sure how long and sustainable that is in terms of winning, but they've been a great story so far. Absolutely. And Halliburton, my God, man, that dude is so, so fun to watch play. He plays with pace. He's perfect for Rick Carlisle. Like we saw this with Luca when, when Carlisle was in Dallas, but I mean, he's absolutely perfect for pushing the pace, being creative with the ball and his shot. Although it looks a little bit janky at times, like it goes in, he's a consistent 40% three point shooter. So the things he can do for that offense and the way they're playing, like their games are just fun. Not going to say they're going to finish strong here. Not going to say they're going to even be good, but man, they are fun to watch play. Yeah. Maybe one of the funnest, you know, Obi Toppin too. Um, just a bunch of athletes and a bunch of talented scores, buddy healed. Um, but just, you know, again, like you mentioned, there's just no defense being played and, you know, it's been kind of proven that at some level they're going to have to at least try and be average if they want to, you know, contend for anything. But, uh, you know, they're still got a lot of youth on that team and um, definitely a promising start for them overall this year. A hundred percent. Another promising start that we have to touch. The Orlando Magic are having a moment here, Reed. Um, I know they lost uh, tonight to the uh, to the Cavs, but you got Paolo who dropped a 40 ball. They're 14 and six to start the year, which I don't think anybody saw coming. But uh, man, this is a team that's kind of bucking its head a little bit. You got some good, talented youth. Uh, Franz Wagner, of course, only Franz as uh the magic PR campaign made it out to be Anthony black is still starting to get a little bit of playing time. Jalen Suggs starting to get a little bit of run too. So I'm excited. They're a young team and it, it seems like they're looking to build a little bit of something here. Paolo is Paolo is going to be a freak. If he uh, keeps it up on this track too. It's got to be like a dream come true. You know, when you talk about teams with, you know, the brightest futures, they've got to be up there in the conversation. If not for number one, just because, I mean, what percentage of their rosters under 23, 24 years old? Like, it's definitely would feel like over the majority of, you know, definitely over half, and, and it feels like maybe even more. Um, so much young talent, and they're in the spot where I don't want to say too much young talent because obviously there's only, you know, five players that can play at the same time, but you know, they are in a spot where they're winning right now, and they're all very young. They are able to, you know, potentially piece some – those young guys together and go get a star because they have plenty of, you know, assets on that team and, you know, just such a bright future. Paulo is a monster. They found their alpha there. Um, bunch of good role players and, you know, Cole Anthony, you mentioned Wagner, um, or Wagner, Wagner, however they want to pronounce it. Um, and, you know, just a lot of talent on that roster. So to, to put it together this fast is, you know, remarkable. I, I completely agree. Um, they've been one of the surprising like league pass fun teams to watch along with the Pacers. So you love to see that some youth starting to bug his head out East as we head West. There's two teams I want to focus on here. Number one, the OKC Thunder who continue to play at a high level. Uh, they gave up a 30 to zero run against the Mavs a couple nights ago, still found a way to win the game. So incredibly impressive there. Obviously, there's the whole thing with Giddy going on, which I will not touch with a 10-foot pole. Um, but if you just look at their play, like 
they have been really, really special. Um, Shea's obviously incredible, but then you look at guys like Jalen Williams, and still you got the Dorcher Chamber out running amongst amongst the people. Uh, and then you got a random, like, you look off the bench, you got like a random Trey Mann sighting. It's just, uh, it's fun. They're a fun team. Yeah, I wouldn't have expected it to come together this fast, but you know, now that I say that out loud, this fast, it seems like they've been building this for many years. Um, so to suddenly see some fruit from you know their labor of tanking, which seems like the last five years or so, um, great for them. You know, credit to Shea for you know actually sticking with it. You know, haven't heard any complaints out of him all these years of you know losing, and you know they got again. A bunch of role players. They hit on their draft pick of Chet. You know, I don't care that he missed last year. The fact that he's out there right now, just a perfect piece for this team. Um, and like you mentioned, similar to the Magic, a bunch of young talent, and they are finding success early. So and we already know about their 500 draft picks the next couple of years too. So again, they are just waiting for a spot to pounce on a star when one comes available. You know, playing it smart. And yeah, just great future, bright future. And, you know, hard, I'd be hard pressed to find, you know, more teams that, you know, who you'd want to, you know, take over moving forward. Those two would be at the top of the list for me. Oh yeah, I agree. And then lastly, let's talk your wolves real quick. After tonight's win against the Spurs, they've improved to now 16 and four, which is just a wild record. Obviously, they're not going to keep this pace. They won't just lose 12 games this year, I don't think. I mean, I guess theoretically they could, but I don't think they'll go, you know, I don't think they'll go 70 and 12. Like, I just don't see that. So with that out of the way, what do you think? The Where do you think this team finishes up? I mean, are they a 60-win team? Are they a team that you've changed your expectations on about getting out of the West or advancing in the playoffs. Like where do you fall being a admittedly you're a little bit of, you're not the, uh, the pessimist of a fan. You're uh, you're all aboard the train. I'm all aboard the hype train. Um, and when I say that, that's not to say that we're going to walk in and, you know, be finals champions. That's not what I'm saying, but what I, what I can bank on is, you know, this team has never had an identity and for this year it's finally very clear that this team is one of the best defensive teams in the NBA on a bad night um and you know that's something you can definitely bank on because you know shots may not fall um yada yada but this team is number one in the NBA in almost every defensive category and you know for that reason that's something that is sustainable because when you look at Who's anchoring it? Rudy Gobert, three-time Defense Player of the Year. He looks as you know young and agile as he's ever looked, and you know people just won't—they don't enter the paint. And when you just take away that dimension of the game, it changes everything. People have to make jump shots, and it just makes it tough night in and night out to you know get a win. So, regardless of how the offense plays and how to you know it might be a little bit clunky at times, the defense is always going to keep them close and give time for Ant and Cat to really cook offensively. So, uh, love the start, obviously. Couldn't have imagined that. But, you know, even, you know, going to zone sometimes, mixing that in. Uh, at first, I was a little bit upset and didn't understand it. But, you know, when you think of, you know, playoff time, 
I think that's going to be such a huge benefit of being able to throw that in there uh, and helps Rudy stay, you know, where he's best and control the paint. And, you know, we'll see what happens moving forward, but could not be happier about the start. And we'll see if we'll be buyers, you know, once we get closer to that December point when, you know, those guys are able to be traded, um, some of the new signings there. So we'll see if something is heats up there on that market. About a week away now, December 15th. That's about, uh, you know, what, next Friday or something? So Nine time's days, ticking. So. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and transition into the college ball here, the purest of the basketball that we can find. I want to talk about a couple of Big Ten teams here. Michigan State and Wisconsin. These teams played on Tuesday night. Wisconsin went into the Breslin Center, uh, the house that Izzo built, and they completely demolished it, took a sledgehammer to it. Win by 13 on the road to start Big Ten Conference play. The same Wisconsin team coming off a huge home win against Marquette. These feel like two teams trending in opposite directions here. Wisconsin, a little bit of a slow start, but obviously have flipped the switch and are starting to play like the team we thought they would be under Greg Gard. And then you look at Michigan State. This is their fourth loss already to start the year. They've lost to James Madison. They lost to Duke now to Wisconsin at home, you just have to start wondering, like, where does this team go from here? They're not getting the guard play that we thought they were, and they still can't shoot without Hauser. So uh, I'll, I'll just kick this one straight over to you guys. Uh, are, you, uh, are, are we starting to feel the concern about Michigan State here, or is it still just early season rush trying to, uh, to feel the roster here? I may have some bias here, but even the last year, I know – they definitely overachieved Michigan State, that is. I, they just never passed the eye test for me. Like, I never watched that team and be like, man, they got a bunch of, you know, bunch of talent on that team. It, it was never that way. It just seemed like they were really well coached and, you know, overachieved, I guess you could say. And this year, it's like, it's, it just has not been the same. They've not looked sharp. And I don't want to say I could see it coming. I didn't think it would, you know, hit this much, but. Uh, again, I just don't see, you know, the team you saw last year and, uh, it, you know, not somebody I would be buying much stock in, in terms of, you know, postseason success at this point. Yeah. I mean, you just gotta, you gotta start to wonder. I know you trust Izzo, but you just need some sort of sign of life. They don't have a signature win yet this year. So you gotta, you gotta see something here. Uh, as far as Wisconsin goes, it's about time that they started playing well. Gray, what do you have? This is the same Michigan State team, though, that stepped foot last year and kind of stunk it up at the beginning of the year. I mean, they didn't play well at the beginning of the year. They lost to Gonzaga. They lost to Bama. They lost to Notre Dame. They lost to Northwestern. They dropped a lot of early games last year. I think it's early times. It's too hard to tell. We're kind of critiquing a Michigan State team that's lost four ranked games. I mean, you lose to JMU, you lose to Duke, you lose to Arizona. I mean, they've Wisconsin's now ranked in the top 25. I mean, you've lost four games to ranked teams. I think a telltale sign could be they play Baylor on not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. I guess in Mich- at Michigan State could be a telltale sign of where this team's how this team's going to trend. You get a nice little breakup playing Nebraska this upcoming weekend, and then you play Baylor. So. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of season left. It's it's hard to tell how good teams are in college hoops earlier in the year. And this is also the time of the year that you don't really want to be hot. 
you want to pick up your footing when you're coming down the stretch, not at the end. Yeah, that's a fair point there as well. Um, a team that's looked really pretty good early on, considering some of the struggles that they've had injury wise, is UConn. This last two game stretch that they had, not including the layup against you know the the brothers of Holy Cross or whoever they played in between uh, Kansas and North Carolina. Uh, they went to Kansas, only lost by four in a game that they probably should have won. They uh, they were down big early, but made a huge comeback there. Made it a tight game down the stretch at Fog Allen. And then in the Garden on Tuesday night, they kind of took a demolition tour to, to, Notre, to North Carolina. It wasn't really as close as the score would indicate. It was an 11-point game, but it felt like that uh, UConn controlled the pace, controlled the flow of the game. You know, I was a little bit down on UConn. Thought that without Sonogo, losing Hawkins, obviously, and of course Andre Jackson, who kind of the unsung hero of last year's team, I thought they'd be a little bit down. But I mean, they they are playing some ball early on and uh, clearly trying to assert themselves as a uh, as a threat once again. I definitely agree with you on this one, Ed. Um, UConn's looked good. I mean, not defending national champs from last year. Um, are we? More worried about, uh, you know, North Carolina right now. I mean, they're seem like they're not struggling, but I mean, this is a big loss for them. This is kind of, and I know we're going to talk about Duke in a second, but this is kind of the worst we've seen the ACC look at a beginning of a beginning of a basketball season in a while. I will say, I just am not a fan of North Carolina. I don't like the way they play. When there's any big matchup, it's an auto fade for me. I don't care if they have talent, but I just – just the way they play just does not seem like – I just don't trust them. I don't trust them to win any sort of big game. So it uh, wasn't a shock there for me that UConn pulled that one out uh, pretty convincingly there in the end. And just – I just don't – I'm not sure what, what they're doing there. Um, a lot of talent, but it's just, you know – you have to play basketball. You have to play it the right way, and I don't see them doing that. So had to throw that out there. But, yeah, I think there was concern for, you know, Duke as well. You know, krzyzewski has gone, so it is a different team. There's different expectations, I would say. And, you know, although they've still been able to recruit relatively well, it's just not the same Duke teams that we've seen in the past. And it doesn't it doesn't really feel like there's a lot of star power on the floor. At least we haven't seen that this far. And then, Grayson, you mentioned it. Let's talk Duke. Um, losing yet another game. They lost at Georgia Tech. Um, they also lost Tyrese Proctor in that game, who, not not going to lie, has a little bit underachieved expectations this year just in terms of not taking the leap as a scorer. They're relying on a lot of young guards at this point with you know Jared McCain and Caleb Foster. And then, you know, Filipowski hasn't really taken a leap either shooting the ball. Reed, I know you have some takes about his uh, social media presence, but maybe that's not here nor there. But uh, is it time to officially start sounding the alarm bells on Duke here? I think so. I think that this is, and I guess it depends on what your expectations are. You know, is this going to be a team that could potentially win the ACC? Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. Um, but when it comes to, you know, postseason play and getting into the tournament, I would not be shocked if this team does not advance to the Sweet 16. I just don't think I see that as of right now. There's upside, sure, 
Players got to play better, though, and I just haven't seen enough yet. Yeah, I agree with you there, Reed. I just I don't know if I can back them right now. I think these back-to-back losses, lost to Arkansas, lost to Georgia Tech, I just don't know if I can get behind it right now, especially being 10-point favorites in this uh, in this Georgia Tech game. That's a tough pill to swallow. 100%. You, you just can't afford to lose those games, especially as a 12-and-a-half-point favorite in a, let's be completely honest here, a weak ACC. Uh, you just can't afford those losses. I don't care if it's on the road. So um be interesting to see now that we're at the one month mark we'll see how these teams kind of react as we get towards conference play and uh before we know it march is coming can't wait for it next up here it is time for magic or nah it makes its triumphant return to the podcast i got a i got a good selection of tweets here fellas so uh whenever you're ready Let's do this. So I'm going to treat this more like a game show. I'll be the host. I want you two competing against each other. I need you to create a word for your buzzer. So Grayson, what is your buzzer word? Bang. Reed, what is your buzzer word? <laughs> okay. So uh, <laughs> very original there by both of you. I love it. As Grayson, you weren't here last time to play this game. So let me explain the rules. I will present to you a selection of words that may or may not be a tweet from Magic Johnson. Uh, Your job is to buzz in and let me know if these words are an actual tweet from Magic Johnson or if they were made up. So whenever you feel like you know, just use your buzzer word, ring in. Uh, First to three will win this one, gentlemen. Of course, I don't want to take too much ammunition here. Magic is... uh, Although he tweets a lot, it is a limited catalog, so we don't want to uh, we don't want to burn through them all at once, which is understandable. So, you know, it's uh, we've got to be selective with what we're doing here. So, without further ado, gentlemen, are we ready to play Magic or Nah? Yes, I am. Let's do it. All right, let's go. First selection here. Congratulations to the Lakers for advancing to the semis with an exciting 106 to 103 victory over the Suns. LeBron James was outstanding and finished with 31 points, 11 re- uh, 11 assists and 8 rebounds. Anthony Davis had a great 27 point and 15 rebound double-double. Read. I'm going to go with nah. Incorrect. So no points awarded there. You you I, to do see I get it. minus one? Do I get minus one? No, we'll just call it an even zero. So that should uh, be my point because I would get second guess and I would pick magic. But there's only two choices here, so <laughs> this game's rigged. No points awarded. Here we go with selection number two. In potential reaction to a a segment that was done on the ringer where uh, they. With uh, Bill Simmons, Rosillo, and Joe House, they they played a game similar to this one. I will not pump it. But in response to that, here is this selection of words. Bill Simmons has an interesting website and several podcasts that I enjoy. Looking forward to reading it and listening to the very good music. Bang. Grayson. Nah. 
That is correct. That is nah. That is uh, brought to you by our good friends at Reddit. Ed's will explain too much into it. Yeah, you're right. I, I probably did. I know. But you know what? That's okay, though. It's fine. The Diamondbacks beat up my Dodgers 11-2 to in the NLDS Game 1 last night. Now we need to rebound for Game 2 on Monday night. Bang. I believe Grayson got to that one first. That would be magic. That is magic, yes, sir. Two to nothing, Grayson. Reed, you need to pick up your game here. I expected more out of you. I, I know you're a I know you're a magic guy, so I need you to pick this pace up a little bit. Listen, the un, the unpredictability is what makes it so impossible. I, it's almost better if I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, Yo. that is true. That is true. Next one here. Cookie and I are so disappointed by this latest Lakers loss. I can't even begin to understand what's happening in this locker room. Laker Nation needs to go make a big trade. Uh, Reed. You know, you had me there in the beginning with Cookie, but the ending, I don't think he'd say that. I'm going to go with nah. That is correct. That is not a real tweet. Two to one. Reed, you're back in it here, but, you know, you still got to win this next one to avoid... uh, to avoid losing here. I'm excited for this one though. I, I think I've got a, a good tweet here. Or maybe not a tweet. Who could say? The reason I haven't tweeted about the Celtics versus the Hawks is because the Celtics had dominating performances in games one and two, and I expect them to win the whole series. Bang. Grayson. That would be magic. That is correct. That is magic. That is game. Grayson takes it three to one. The champion of Magic or Nah. Don't hate the player, Reed. Hate the game. What was the last question? I want to hear the last. The last one. Oh, the last one. It it was it was maybe my favorite one. Tonight, the Commanders played with no intensity or fire. We didn't compete in the first half and got down twenty-seven to three heading into halftime. It was too big of a hole to climb out of, and that is why we ended up losing forty to twenty. It's definitely magic. That was 100% magic. <laughs> I just love his tweets, man. It's it's so perfect. It's fantastic content. I don't even know if I follow him. I just see them everywhere. Every now and again, he'll tweet one that just gets like 5,000 retweets out of nowhere. It's like, it's like, oh, we're so back, magic. He's, he's a legend that, you know... This is why social media was invented so we could hear stuff like this. I agree. Like Twitter was a thing. So Magic Johnson could generic copy and paste something that he read from AI and into his little tweet box. Just fantastic content. Absolutely. So, uh, well, good stuff there, fellas. Um, Reed, do you want to tell the people where they can find you and uh, what you got cooked up here for bowl season and uh, moving forward? Yes. Uh, finally, we got the Moneyline Masterclass. Uh, Edsel is a frequent host and frequent guest. Uh, and, you know, a lot of stuff going on there. Um, we're 51, 41, and 1 on picks this year. So, finished above 500. Not as high as I would have wanted to, but, you know, a win is a win. So, can't complain there. Uh, 
we'll get together and collab for you know a giant bull prediction uh, segment at some point. But you know after that, I'm going to be diving into more college ball, uh, potentially some NBA. So big things coming there. Absolutely, can't wait to join. It's always a highlight of the week to go chop it up with you. Um, remind remind everybody how the picks did this year. It was solid. It was you know don't have the percentage point on me, but. Uh, you know, 51, 41, and 1. So definitely can't complain about that. Anytime you're positive, you'll love that. And that's not even adding in the, uh, you know, the preseason win totals there. Had a lot more success there. So uh, a solid first stint. And Grayson showed me close to 55%. So, you know, I told myself my goal was to be over 50. So can't complain with that at all. You know, with my, you know, win season totals i'd be probably closer to 56 percent. so uh a solid first run and i can assure you next year we'll be back bigger and better so can't wait and then you know i don't mean to pimp my myself here either but uh over the course of the year i went 89 83 and two for uh a total of plus 200 uh that'd be 10 units there for the kids so good stuff there and on the futures i was 12 8 and 1 so uh you love to see that, including a plus 800. We got Miami of Ohio across the finish line. Uh, got to say, I'm pretty proud of that one. You love that. That was, yeah. that was a good call right there. If Reed would have just used the parlays that he was parlaying on us and with Monopoly bucks, he'd be a freaking have a fortune. Well, it's a lot easier to pile together money lines than it is spreads. So spreads are, you know, a true 50-50 so anything over 500 there, I'm thrilled. You know, it'd be, it'd be easy just to pick games, but uh, I'm not soft like that, Grayson. I thought you were named the Moneyline Masterclass. Well, I am, and that's what I'm there for. But, you know, I got I to gotta talk about the spreads. That's what the people like. Um, and you know what? We finished positive, so a big win there. Yeah, basically you just need to – next year I'm just putting Moneyline parlays with Alabama, Georgia – and Washington and putting the top four best teams in the country on parlay and them together every single week, hundred bucks. It's simple. It's easy. It's one strategy to go. You wouldn't win very much, but it'd be, it'd be something. As long as I actually don't think you would net positive. If you did that every single week, I don't think you would net positive maybe this year, but moving forward, I don't know. Well, that'll do it for this week. Tried to keep this one on the rails for you guys since uh, a little bit of a light weekend in sports. But, uh, you know, when the boys get together to chop it up, you just can't help it. You kind of get out and run, and uh, we end up going over an hour here. But good stuff nonetheless. So for Grayson, for Reed, this is Tyler. Go be the man in the arena. Go make some money. Go salute the troops this weekend in Army-Navy. And uh, until next time, peace out, everybody. Meep, meep.